0: Uh, Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you, and we thank you. Lord, I personally want to serve you with my life, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you would speak through me this morning. Lord, less of me, more of you. And Lord, that uh, we would be responsible with our response. Lord, that we would prepare our hearts to hear from you. And Lord, that you would meet us where we are and uh, that we would continue to worship you as we listen to your word, and then continue in that as we live out what we've heard. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you guys um, remember, uh, we were talking about, we've been talking about Joshua. We're in the book of Joshua, so it's kind of a given that we're talking about Joshua. And if you remember, Joshua is a kind of lesser than Christ. It's a picture of Christ. Joshua led these Israelites into victory. Just the way that Christ led us into victory and continues to lead us into victory. Um, Because we need a leader, right? Imagine Israel not having Joshua. They'd just be wandering around the foothills. Even when they had a leader, they wandered, right? They didn't like to listen. And when I read about the Israelites when I was younger and I hadn't messed up yet, I always thought to myself, you stupid Israelites, would you just listen? Nowadays, when I listen and when I read about the Israelites, I see myself and I say, you stupid person, why don't you just listen? Right? Because I see a reflection of who I am. That's what the Bible does. When we get older and the Holy Spirit is in us and we're reading God's word, we see a reflection of who we are. It's like a mirror, James tells us, right? We read God's Word, we see what God's Word says, and it says that if we walk away, we're a fool if we walk away and forget what the Lord has told us. But when we read God's Word, and we see our reflection, and we see how wretched we are, we need to remember, and we need to cry out to the Lord, Lord, help me. Help me. Now listen, I'll tell you this. If I read the Bible, I need someone to help me with my problem. And that person is Jesus Christ. All right? It's the same way, and I've explained it to you like this before. It's the same way if you see a blemish on your face when you're looking in the mirror. If you think the mirror is going to help you getting that blemish down, if you think by just keeping some laws, you're going to be okay, it's like rubbing your face against the mirror to get rid of the blemish. I don't know how many of you guys have tried that before, but if it works, let me know. Anybody? You've tried it clear? No? Oh, sorry. All right. So yeah, I thought she raised her hand. I was like, wow. <laughs> She's got a new method. <laughs> so but do you know what I mean? Like, who's ever seen a blemish on their face? Let's say you have like a big, juicy pimple. Yuck. Dave, why are you talking about this, right? I don't know. Anyway, let's say you got a big, juicy pimple. And you start rubbing that pimple against the mirror. All you're going to get is a greasy mirror And a bruised face and maybe a bloody pimple. No good. You know, as they say, no bueno. (laughs) All right. You don't do that. You need to take care of it in a different way. Now, don't come to me if you want to find out how to get rid of pimples. That's what I'm not. I'm not here for that. (laughs) I don't know how to do that. But when I'm saying you have a blemish, you need somebody to go take care of it. Right. Let's say you see a a big gash on your face. Rubbing your face against the mirror is not going to heal that. It reveals to us what's wrong, and then we're told to run to the one who makes it right. If we see a blemish in our lives, we see problems in our lives, I cannot fix it. You cannot fix it. We need to run to Jesus who can heal us. And we're told in 1 John 1 verse 9 that when we come and confess He is faithful to remove all unrighteousness from us, to clean us up so that we look, we are right before the Lord. We're right before Him. How awesome is that? No work on my part. Now it says that when I do good things, all I'm doing is loving the Lord back, who was good to me first. It's not to get me a better place in heaven. Not to get me, you know, like, oh yeah, you know, like God doesn't like me and I'm going to do some good things and maybe He'll like me. No, if you've come to Christ through belief, you're already accepted. If you've given your life to Christ, it doesn't matter how much you've messed up, you are accepted. You don't have to appease the volcano God and continue to give him bodies or something like that. When you have come to Christ, you are accepted. He just says, hey, if you've messed up, just come to me. I'll make you clean. Just run to me. Now, listen, there's a guy in the Bible. His name's David, right? And when you hear about David, when you hear about him, what God says about him, God called him a man after, his own, after God's own heart right? And you think, wow, this guy must have been great. But when you read about David's account, you realize he messed up left and right. He was a horrible father. He was a pretty good king sometimes. But what made the difference was this, not his performance. It was the one who he ran to when he messed up. That's why he had a heart that God loved. Because when he messed up, like all humans do, he ran to the Lord and he said, forgive me, I'm broken, help me. And you know what he told us? King David told us that God does not despise a humble and contrite heart. A heart that says, I can't do it. I keep messing up. And if we're in Christ, forgives. He forgives. And he's good. And he gives us the strength to walk on with him, to walk on. And we're going to read about that with Joshua. Joshua was a great leader, but sometimes Joshua messed up, just like you and me. Well, not so much me, like you. No, I'm kidding. I mess up all the time. I do. And if, I'm, and if you believe that I don't, just go talk to my wife. She'll tell you all about it. (laughs) Or my children, is your daddy perfect? They'll be like, no. (laughs) But I pray the one thing that they do know is that I'm trying to be quick to apologize and I'm trying to run to Jesus and say, help me. So we catch up with uh, Joshua. They've Won at AI after losing one time, right? Now they've won at AI, big victory. Now everybody knows, so now we catch up with them. It says now all the kings west of the Jordan River, this is all the promised land, west of the Jordan River, heard about what had happened. So they heard about what happened at AI. They heard that the victory was great, that they took out the whole city, burned it to the ground, and and annihilated everybody there. And all the kings knew what happened. It says, now all the kings west of the Jordan heard about what had happened. These were the kings of the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And if there are any other itites, they could be in there. I don't know. Right? Lots of ites who lived in the hill country in the western foothills and along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, as far north as the Lebanon mountains. These kings combined their armies to fight as one against Joshua and the Israelites. So all of a sudden, one thing you need to understand is these are independent city-states. I've said this before. These are independent city-states. Each one We'll have a king that rules it or a king that rules a couple of them. All right? So they are all armored up because they usually fight against each other. They're not friends. But then all of a sudden, a greater enemy comes and a common enemy sometimes forges alliances. You guys know that to be true, right? We see it even in our world where all of a sudden one country starts talking to another because they have a common thing they want to get done. And you're just like, hmm, that's weird. I never knew they were friends, you know, as a country. It happens in real life, too, right? Like in normal, everyday life. All of a sudden you have a common enemy. All of a sudden your enemy's enemy is now your friend. It's the way the world works and here's another way that the world works that when blessings come sometimes problems come with it do you guys know that listen you ever you ever get more business but then more business means more accounting and more paperwork and more legal things going on more taxes so more business is good but there are things that come hinged along with that right just like, hey, more power is good at times when you get another, you know, like, let's say you work in a company and you get a new position, a higher position, right? Now you have more authority, but with more authority comes more responsibility. Like the, the old poet wrote, more money, more problems, right? <laughs> we know that, right? You know what somebody once told me? Dave, in church, more people, more problems, So what should I do? Keep the church, just me and somebody else, (laughs) right? No, but we know that when things grow, there's going to be problems, right? There's going to be extra problems with it. Or as we see here, when the Lord blesses, the enemy starts his messing, right? So if there's a blessing, the enemy starts his messing, right? The enemy isn't happy. So if the Lord has been good in your life, sometimes problems are attached to that good. And you need the Lord to run to. So then verse 3: But when the people of Gibeon, so this is an area in in Israel, near Israel, right? When the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted, they resorted to deception to save themselves. Somebody thinking outside of the box, right? Everybody else is like, listen, we got an enemy, let's combine. And then all of a sudden the Gibeonites are like. No, I have a better idea. Let's let's do trickery. Let's do magic tricks. <laughs> right? And you're like, hmm, okay. Yeah. So listen to what they do. Now these guys are good. They are they are good deceivers. Now watch this. They resorted they resorted to deception to save themselves. They sent ambassadors to Joshua, loading their donkeys with weathered saddlebags. And old patched wineskins, they put on worn out patched sandals and ragged clothes, right? So they are getting ready for their their theater performance. They, they are actors. They put on all of their costumes and they're ready to ra- play a role. So watch what they do here. They put on worn out patched sandals and ragged clothes, and the bread they took with them was dry and moldy, right? I mean, they're going all the way. Just a couple of weeks ago, we had a harvest party, and and some people came in, well, most of us were there in fancy dress, and you saw some of the people that came in fancy dress, they went all the way, right? You know, not like me. I just throw a hat on and a shirt, and I just walk in, and I'm like, yeah, I'm (laughs) so-and-so, right? But then, I mean, I saw Darth Vader there, Right. I saw I saw like this Italian guy from New York all in. I saw this this like redneck guy with like the full, the full mullet. Right. Everybody calls it something different. It's like business in the front, party in the back. Right, He came with the full mullet. Right. We know that those people are not here today because they were other people. They I mean, they went next level. These guys are next level. These guys, they even get the moldy bread. I mean, who keeps moldy bread sitting around? (laughs) Right? They do. When they arrived at the camp of Israel at Gilgal, they told Joshua and the men of Israel, we have come from a distant land to ask you to make a peace treaty with us. Now, these guys are good. Now, watch. The Israelites replied to these Hivites, how do we know you don't live nearby? Right? So they they might catch them in their game. For if you do, we cannot make a treaty with you, they replied. We are your servants. But who are you, Joshua demanded. Where do you come from? They answered, your servants have come from a very distant country. They're not answering the question. That's what you find with with deceivers you ask them a straight question and they dance around to mesmerize you with their dancing i i mean i've seen some politicians right they are asked a very pointed question and they just they just say what they say every single time we care about the kids <laughs> you know and like they dance around for you and but they never if you listen they never answered the question but everybody was like that's beautiful. That's be- they care about the kids. I love it. Put them in office. They care about the kids. But they didn't tell you that they care about their own kids and not yours. <laughs> right? It's all deception, all lies, all smoke and mirrors. I'm not saying all of politics is that like that. I'm saying 99.9% of politics is like that. There is somebody out there that is trustworthy. We just don't know their name or where they live, (laughs) right? His name is Jesus Christ and he's coming to reign. (laughs) So they answered, your servants have come from a very distant country. We have heard of the might of the Lord your God and of all he did in Egypt. Now listen to the things they talk about, right? We have also heard what he did to the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River. King Sihon of Heshbon and King Og of Bashan. If you guys remember, these guys were actually great kings, especially King Og. King Og was about 13 feet tall. You can believe it or not. Okay, you can believe it or not. It doesn't matter to me. I now believe what the Bible says. So they said, they, they give specifics about King Og. They said the man was so tall and so big that he ruled many cities, many state city states, because the man was so big everybody was dead scared of him. And he wasn't just like a big fat guy walking around. He was a giant of a man. It said his bed was made of iron to hold him up. And he was a warrior. And they took out King Og. I mean, if you got a name like Og, you got to be big. (laughs) Because if not, everybody's making fun of you, Og. Right? You go to school with the name Og? Come on, bro. (laughs) Go change your name legally. Go do it now. Unless you're humongous and you're like, his name's Og. Don't say anything about his name. (laughs) My man will eat you alive. He had an iron bed that was 13 feet long. So maybe he wasn't 13 feet tall. Maybe he was like 12 foot six. Yeah. So they, they recount these things that they did, right? The King Og of Bashan who lived in Ashtaroth. So our elders and all our people instructed us, take supplies for a long journey. Go meet with the people of Israel and tell them. We are your servants. Please make a treaty with us. Right? Now, listen, they didn't mention their recent victories. So that's one thing I noticed. They didn't mention, oh, we heard what you did in Jericho and just the other day in Ai. Because it wouldn't fit with them getting the news already. So they talked about the big victories of years ago that everybody was already scared of in the land. But they make sure that they don't mention, and we heard what you did at Jericho. And we heard what you did last week at Ai. Because then Joshua would understand, you live close by. You're not from a distant land, right? So the deception continues. This bread was hot from the ovens when we left our homes. Is that true? No. But for the part, it sounds good, right? But now, as you can see, it's dry and moldy. These wineskins were new when we filled them, but now they're old and split open, and our clothes and sandals are worn out from our very long journey of three blocks away. Yeah, come on. So, watch. So the Israelites examined their food. Because they're like, okay, I hear what you're saying. Now I want to see if it's true. They examined their food, but they did not consult the Lord. That's it. That's the only sentence there, right? That says where they failed. They didn't fail in their scientific process of trying to ascertain what was going on. They didn't fail in that. They were actually looking to see if there was deception there. But these deceivers were so good that you can't see through the smoke they're blowing. And then it says, but they did not consult the Lord. Why? Why would it state that? Because it's only God that can see what is hidden. Joshua already knew this because it was only God who revealed to him the very man who made them lose at Ai, Achan. Right? Nobody knew what Achan had done. Nobody knew. God knew. And God told him, we're going to give Achan a chance. He can come out and confess. So what we're going to do is you're going to have all of Israel stand in front of you. And then I'm going to pick out the tribe. And then all that tribe will stand in front of you, and then I'm going to pick out the clan. Then all that clan will stand in front of you, and then I'm going to pick out the family. Then all that family will stand in front of you, and then I'm going to pick out the man. It's like, it's like the Lord gave him a clock to say, just confess, I'm giving you time. Aiken did not confess until he was the only man standing there. And Joshua comes up to him and he says, give glory to the Lord. Tell us what you have done. All right, well, I'm caught. <laughs> you know? And I told you, like, if we were, you know, think of the economic climate today. I mean, some of the stuff he found was like 30 G's. That's like 30,000 pounds worth. The golds he picked up was 30,000 pounds worth of gold. I mean, guys, if you and I are like just kicking about and there's a, an abandoned place and there's 30,000 pounds worth of gold on the ground, what would you do? Take it to the lost and found? <laughs> We're going to take it to the police. Oh, no, they'll put it in their evidence chamber. Yeah, right. Somebody's getting a holiday to the Maldives. <laughs> all right. That's all I'm saying. What would you do except that God had said, don't touch anything? That's where the difference comes in. God said, don't touch anything in Jericho. Leave it alone. So even though our temptation sits there and you say, you know what? 30,000 pounds, that would fit in my bank account really well. Right? Who has a bank account that can't fit 30,000 pounds? Anybody here? Huh? Yeah. I have the same problem as you. My bank account fits as much as I want to put in there. I just have a lack of it. <laughs> so they knew what to answer. They had rehearsed these Gibeonites. They had all the props. They had everything in place. And there's something that a truth that's told to us here, it's whispered to us, that the enemy will always have a compelling argument. Always, right? Think about the snake in the Garden of Eden with Eve. He had a compelling argument. Did God really say? Now that you tell me to kind of recollect it, I, I can't remember what God did say. Um, I don't know. He causes confusion, right? The Israelites were like, listen, you've got to be from close by, but they cause confusion because they have evidence, right? Which isn't real evidence. It's all planted evidence. So, the enemy will always have a compelling argument. That's why we have to be sure of the truth, right? We have to be sure of the truth. But listen, the Israelites were still sure of the truth and they still got tricked. So what was the main problem? The main problem is told to us in that one little statement. They did not consult the Lord their God. They didn't consult him. God can see through everything. It was David who told us that. He said, listen, even if I go hide out in darkness, the darkness is as light to you. Even if I was to to go to the bottom of the sea, you would know where I am. God knows all things. It's one of the things that God actually brags about a lot. And he has the right to brag about it. Who's better than him, right? And he'll he'll say of people who worship other gods and other idols. He says, listen, um, why don't you tell your idol to tell you what the future holds? No, because it's only me that knows the future, right? God knows the future. God knows all things and how kind he is to us and benevolent he is to us when he knows how I'm going to mess up my whole life and he's going to be patient with me and loving and kind and he knows how I'm going to mess up in 10 minutes or 20 minutes or half an hour and he still says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So the devil's messengers can sometimes lie uh, more convincingly than um, God's children can tell the truth. (laughs) No, no, guys, you're going the wrong way. You know, and the devil's like, no, come on. It's, It's a party up in here. Don't worry about the fire. It's cool. Fire is cool. And it's often been said, it's only those that do nothing that will make no mistakes. So do I sit here and blame Joshua? No. You know what I see in Joshua? I see me. No, not the great conquering leader, the guy who forgets to consult the Lord. That's what I see. I see me. Now, listen, when I say I see me, I also mean you should see you. We don't want to sit there and say, oh, wow. Pastor Dave, he forgets to consult the Lord. Naughty, naughty, Pastor Dave. Yeah. I'm talking about us collectively, right? How many times have we forgotten to consult the Lord and we end up somewhere we don't want to be? How did I get here? And the Lord's like, let me recount it to you. And I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I'm going to go back now. <laughs> forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Forgive <laughs> me. So it's only those who do nothing that make no mistakes, and even the nothing will become a mistake. Even the nothing will become a mistake. The only way to avoid our own downfall and failings, we're told in Scripture, is to seek the Lord and live. Seek the Lord and live, right? That's what we're told. Um, James one verses five through eight. One of my favorite verses. Why? Because I find myself lacking in wisdom constantly. But what does James tell us? If you lack wisdom, ask God who generously gives and finds no fault in the one who is giving, who, who is asking. He doesn't say, sit there and say, oh, why, why are you asking for wisdom? No, no. He says, come, I'll give it to you. And guys, it's the times that I've asked the Lord for wisdom that things turn out right. That I know what to do. That I know what to say. What course of action I should take. But do I do it all the time? No. No, I don't. I confess that. Sometimes I forget. I'm a forgetful person. How about you guys? You guys ever forget anything? Nah. I'm like one of those old laptops back in like 1998 that the whole hard drive was one gig, right? I'm like, I know I was supposed to remember something about today. Oh yeah, I have to wake up. <laughs> you know? And it's the Lord that helps me to remember. But sometimes we forget. Was Joshua being rebellious and saying, no, I don't want to seek the Lord? No, because we know of Joshua that he always tried to seek the Lord. It was in this, he didn't seek the Lord. And sometimes it could be a hidden arrogance in us thinking, I can handle this. I've got this. Don't worry about it, Lord. I'll talk to you in the next problem. But right now, I got this. You know, like as a parent, like trying to... um, act like um like I know what I'm doing, right? Like bringing up children. Guys, I did not take like a 20-year course on how to bring up children. I I lived life like you guys and then all of a sudden I got married and then we were having a baby. And everybody's like, "Hey, you ready to have a baby?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna, we're going to have the baby, but like do I feel prepared? Like I know what to do? No. That's why like your first baby, it's okay if you're like out of your mind for a little while. You like the baby just keeps crying and I'm trying to do the sleeping, but the baby does not care. Right? And then when you have the second kid, you realize I still don't know what I'm doing here. And then for the third child, you're like, I don't think it really matters if I know what I'm doing or not. (laughs) They're here. (laughs) But what am I asked to do? Consult the Lord. Ask the Lord what I'm supposed to do to bring up my children. Ask the Lord. And and He teaches. And He shows us in His Word. And people will say, how did you know how to do that? (sighs) I don't know. I've just been asking the Lord to lead me. Just been asking the Lord to speak to me, to show me what to do. Consulting the Lord right? We have to humble ourselves to seek the Lord and live. We have to humble ourselves to actually ask the Lord for wisdom. And then it says that we should wait on his wisdom, not just run here and there looking to see what way we should do or what thing we should do. Not like, ask the Lord, then ask 500 of your friends for a panel of, on what you should do. And, and whichever one seems good, I'm going to take that option. No, when we come to the Lord, we come to the Lord and we wait on Him, and we say, "All right, I'm listening. I'm waiting. You show me what to do." All right? Proverbs uh, sixteen verse eighteen. I don't know if we can get that up on the screen really quick. Proverbs sixteen verse eighteen. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Now, you guys will uh, normally read or will have heard the abridged version that people tell you, pride comes before the fall, remember. But that's not actually what it says. It says pride goes before destruction, haughtiness before the fall, right? That's our hearts. If we're proud and we don't want to hear the Lord, if we're proud and we don't care to consult the Lord, if we're proud and we mess up and we don't want to run to him, that's, that's pride in our hearts. And it's stopping us from actually being healed. Pride goes before destruction, haughtiness before the fall. But then we find this out in Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 7. I'm keeping Steph on our toes back there. <laughs> we didn't pre-put any of these in. So Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. In all of your ways, or seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Next verse. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Guys, when you do something really well, are you impressed with yourself? Right? You're like, pfft. I'm a pretty clever cookie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nobody else could have done that. Right? We get pretty even if it's like inside yourself, you're pretty chuffed, you know? You're know, like people are like, "Wow, that's really good." Yes, I I did that. I did it. You see my name on the bottom? No? I should make it bigger, right? Right? We we get pretty proud about our own understanding. But the Lord's like, hey, listen, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. The Lord's like, listen, the path can be kind of crazy and hilly, but if you depend on me, I'll make your path straight. I'll make your path straight. So that's, that's what we have. Then Joshua, so it said, but they did not consult the Lord, verse 15. Then Joshua made a peace treaty with them and guaranteed their safety, and the leaders of the community ratified their agreement with a binding oath. Uh, So, like we see, Joshua wasn't actively trying to be disobedient, he wasn't being rebellious. Uh, It seems like he just forgot to consult the Lord. And we are forgetful people, and that's why the Lord constantly reminds us as we read his word of what we have to do. Constantly reminds us. Um, But nevertheless, Joshua believed the enemy and he made a pact with them. And sometimes we mess up. We'll we'll be finished up in a a second. It says, three days after making the treaty, they learned that these people actually lived nearby. Right? It's like when you... uh, you call in sick for work, like you're you're ill, and then your your uh, colleague catches you at the gym. <laughs> hey, Stan, <laughs> I feel better now. <laughs> so, like Juan and I joke around, we're like, "Yo, just call in healthy." Yo, boss, I feel great. I'm not coming. <laughs> You call in healthy, at least you're not lying, right? <laughs> but when you call in sick, you know, and they catch you at the, uh, you know, at the KFC. <laughs> not that any of us eat unhealthy food like that. I love KFC. Anyway, <laughs> and they catch you they catch you out, right? So you know, these guys get caught somehow. We're not told how they're caught. Like maybe all of a sudden, they see one of them out in the field. Hey, aren't you one of those guys that was on a donkey with the old moldy bread and the broken sandals? Yep, that's me. But you made a treaty with me, so you can't hurt me. Right? The Israelites set out at once to investigate and reach their towns in three days. So they only lived three days away riding on a donkey. Right? When they, when they, instead, they were like, we live far, far away, far away. We are from China, <laughs> you know, or something like that. Three days later, they reached their towns. So the names of these towns were Gibeon, Kafira, Biroth, and Kirath-Jerim. But the Israelites did not attack the towns for the Israelite leaders had made a vow to them in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. So we don't even know if if like like three days later they sent them a message saying, hey, actually, we live just three days away, but you can't touch us because you made a treaty with us. Right. So the people of Israel grumbled against their leaders because of the treaty. But the leaders replied, since we have sworn an oath in the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel, we cannot touch them. This is what we must do. We must let them live. For divine anger would come upon us if we broke our oath. Let them live. So they made them woodcutters and water carriers for the entire community, as as the Israelite leaders directed. So there's this principle happening here, right? They want to keep their word because... God wants us to be people that keep our words. Even in the New Testament, we're told that. Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. What did David say about somebody who can ascend the hill of the Lord? He said, the man or woman that can ascend the hill of the Lord, one of the requirements is that they keep their word even to their own hurt. That they are a promise keeper. Well, that's pretty tough, man. You know, that's tough. Keeping your word is cool, but keeping your word to your own hurt, that stinks. But not for your character and not for the testimony of the Lord who will help you to keep your word. Joshua called together the Gibeonites and said, why did you lie to us? Why did you say that you live in a distant land when you live right here among us? May you be cursed. From now on, you will always be servants who cut wood and carry water for the house of my God. Right? So we see Joshua doing something that he did when the mess up happened at Ai. What does Joshua do? Joshua, in wisdom, reconciles the mistake. So he says, listen. You guys tricked us. We can't kill you, but you're going to serve us. And you might think, oh, that kind of stinks. Hey, listen, the Gibeonites knew and they said to themselves, we would rather be their servants than die. And that's what they said. We have come. We are your servants. We'll do whatever. Don't kill us. Now, they didn't have the faith that uh, Rahab had. You remember Rahab? Her whole town in Jericho was set to be destroyed. And Rahab said, I believe the Lord your God. I believe him. I am one of his children. I follow after him. And Rahab actually became one with Israel, right? And her whole family. Remember what I told you. Rahab is in the line of the Messiah, the prostitute. King David is, is her great-great-great-great-grandson or something like that. And then, but we see that these guys, they, they didn't say, they didn't come to Israel and say, hey, listen, we, God is our God, okay? Don't kill us, we're with you, right? Because we know that God would have loving kindness and forgiveness towards that. But they came instead and they tricked them But something good comes out of this. Something good comes out of this. So we see that Joshua uses his mistake. He reconciles his mistake, like like handing it to the Lord. The other day, I was drawing with Josie, right? And it was yesterday. Josie wanted a unicorn. So she made this big fat diamond thing in the middle of the page and said, I made the unicorn horn. Now you draw the unicorn's head. And I'm like, what? I don't even know what, where's that thing belong on the unicorn? And she's that, that's its horn, daddy. Okay. So then I start to consult her. So if I make the eye here, because I know how little girls are. You mess up. It's the end of the world. That's it. I would not be here this morning. All right. It'd be over for me. So anyway, I said, so do we want the eye here? No, I don't want the eye there, daddy. I want it here. And I'm like, I don't know. That's where the butt belongs. <laughs> Why do you want the eye there? You know, right? So anyway, she, I get busy doing something else. She tries drawing it, and all of a sudden, she is in tears. I messed up. I messed up. She had made this thing that she said was the eye, but it didn't look anything like the eye. But anyway, she, she'll maybe get better. <laughs> so, um, so then I said, No, no, we can fix it, my lovely. We can fix it. Right? So then I incorporated what she had drawn into the unicorn's head. Right? With much prayer and deliberation and consulting the Lord. (laughs) Right? Lord, help me. (laughs) You know, Claire is at work and this one's about to have a meltdown because the unicorn's head doesn't look right. (laughs) You know? So I'm, I'm drawing this unicorn and we get it looking good. And I was able to make her mistake disappear and use it in the, in the unicorn head, right? So imagine God, who's way better than me at drawing unicorn heads, right? With our mess up when we bring it to him, he says, don't worry. I'll make it into a masterpiece, right? Hey guys, if you're here today, you've probably messed up. Not like the mess up brought you here, but like, (laughs) yeah, I was looking for the pub. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How'd I get here? No, but like, if you're human, you've messed up. We've talked about it. You know, it's what I said at the beginning. You've messed up. You know what I found? I can bring that picture to the Lord and say, "I was trying to do something here, and I've totally messed up." Can you reconcile it? Can you take care of it? Help me. Give me wisdom as I do it, please. Right? So God. So if you make a mistake like Joshua, you can admit your mistake. We have to admit our mistake. And we can make the mistake with the Lord work for us. The Lord can bless you through your mistake. All isn't lost. All isn't lost. Sometimes we mess up, right? Sometimes we jump into sin. Sometimes we do things we shouldn't be doing. And instead of running off and feeling down, know that God can reconcile, God can make it right, and he can make it beautiful. He brings beauty from ashes. And I've burnt some things down in my life, and he makes beauty from ashes. That's why God uh, saves, even through crazy testimonies. You hear people's crazy testimony, and you're like, what? And the Lord saves them and takes them out of that life, and he changes them and makes them new. And he gives them the ability to continue to walk with him. right? So the Gibeonites seem to leave. um, Later on, we see that the Gibeonites did become their servants. They actually seem to have left their idols behind. And the Gibeonites actually become god-worshippers they worship God. Because when they're taken away with Babylon, do you guys know that part? Like in in the future of the text that we read, um, Israel will mess up. God will take them off the land. He will allow Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians to take away Jerusalem and, and all of Judah. And they're taken away and they're made captives in Babylon. When they return to build the temple... Over 500 Gibeonites return with them, and they say, we are the servants of the Lord. We are here to cut the wood and to bring the water. So obviously, something had changed, right? They weren't some guys that just were out there in the hills worshiping idols and being an enemy. They were actually brought into the Lord through Joshua's mistake through Joshua's mistake. So remember, not all is lost when we mess up. Not all is lost. But we need to admit that we've messed up and we need to bring it to the, the master creator and tell him, help me. I've messed up. Can you make beauty from ashes? I need you. I'll just walk with you, you know? And just like I was making that picture, Josie was just sitting on the side, happy as, happy as can be that her unicorn was being made. And praise the Lord, she likes it. (laughs) Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We need you. Lord, help us not to get all down when we mess up, but to run to you. And Lord, through wisdom, you will make it right again. And you will actually use our mistakes, Lord, to bring great gain. So Lord, we love you. We need you. Strengthen us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.